encouraging us to choose love. Here's Pastor Ed Ray. Wishing the highest good for the other person. If you don't aim at it, you'll miss it. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time, that kind of a thing. You have to aim at love. You have to choose love. You have to choose to love God. You have to choose to love other people and be kind. Failure to keep looking at that goal and you'll get off swerving, sidetracked into other things. Zion, now filled with hands and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son. Selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love and harmony. I said let this world know me by your Someone has said they'd rather be known as an honest sinner than a lying hypocrite. Well, putting aside there's no such thing as an honest sinner, we get the point. And it underscores the real battle many of us face with sin and hypocrisy. Well, today's Grow in Grace will help us in that battle. We find that in 1 Timothy, it tells us the truth about ourselves, our attempts to be right with God and one another beginning with a reminder that while we still have the truth in God's Word, there are some things to be on the lookout for. So from 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 4, here's Pastor Ed. It's only the truth that Jesus gave, and that's why he left us a book, and that's why we study it. Now, we've seen plenty of weirdness in our lives come through the church. You know, there's holy laughter, shepherding still around today. Currently, there's a church not far from here that claims an instantaneous tooth cavity filled with gold by God. I thought I might go over because I just have like lead and mercury in my mouth, and I'm thinking, I'm not. I'm just kidding, okay? So there's weird stuff going on. Paul says, don't go running to and fro, and don't let these guys teach this. Verse 4, not giving heed to fables. That's a fable and endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification, building up in the faith. Don't give heed to fables. Now, probably Paul was referring to something that was going on at that time, the Talmud, literally the word means instructions in Hebrew, being compiled from about 100 BC through about the fifth century. So during this time, the rabbinical commentary on the Bible was being written and collected, a thousands literally of rabbis. But it includes a lot of fables and a lot of Jewish folklore. That's not an insulting thing I'm saying. If you ask a rabbi today, he will uh, agree. Now, we have, some of you might even have a Bible here this morning that has an apocrypha in it. And it's a center section of extra books that were not recognized by the Jews as being biblical, and they were not recognized by the early church. Again, a myth. Paul says something similar to in Titus 1.14, not giving heed to Jewish fables or myths. Some of you know about Kabbalah. That literally means receiving traditions. And it's the name applied to a whole group, a whole range of Jewish mystical thought, of philosophy, of numerology, of special conditions where numbers mean certain things. Within the church, the, the Bible code, I have a book 
the Bible code, and I got about three pages into it, and I went, this is baloney again. <laughs> a whole book of baloney. And if the Bible code one wasn't bad enough, he wrote a second one, Bible book, Bible code two. And if that wasn't bad enough, now there's a Bible code three that just came out. And if you Google um, Bible code in, on Amazon, you'll get more than 200 books with that title. And they're all baloney. A couple of endless genealogies that are still around from that time. There was a book called The Book of Jubilee, and once more it's for sale on Amazon. I'm not telling you to go read it. Don't waste your time. The Biblical Antiquities of Filio, another book written about 70 80, about the same time that Paul's writing. Again, just a retelling of the Old Testament through 1 Samuel. And these are all fables. They're genealogies. They're spiritual pedigrees and going deep into things that don't help. Those books were included in the Dead Sea Scrolls, so it stumbled people 200 years before Paul. So, it's been around for a long time. Paul calls these in chapter 4, verse 1, the doctrine of demons. They made a movie about one, the Da Vinci Code. So, okay, now that I've offended just about everybody, let's see if we can move on. Verse 5. Now, the purpose of the commandment, singular, is love. From a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere or unhypocritical faith. Uh, the NIV gets it correct. The goal of this command is love. What command? The command Paul just gave in verse 3 and 4. Not allowing other doctrines to be taught forbidding fables and genealogies. All of the law is summed up in one word, love. You remember the lawyer asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is to love your neighbors yourself. In this is the whole law contained. It's all in one word, love. That's what God demands of us today. He writes his law of love on our heart, to love God and love other people. So, this next section, verse 7 through 11, Paul writes to those who have turned aside from that command, and they're teaching Old Testament law again. They've deteriorated to a set of rules and regulations, 613 in the Old Testament, as that it would bring salvation and bring sanctification, neither of which are true. The law does not bring salvation. The law has saved no one ever. He said, Teach out of a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere or unhypocritical faith. When people teach law to you, they're hypocrites. And they say, well, you've got to keep, and it happened again. Somebody said to me, well, I keep the Ten Commandments. And I said, no, you don't. And they were very offended. But I sometimes love offense. Okay? It's okay to offend if your purpose is to help the other person see where they are before God. No, 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 no. You shall not covet Give me an American that hasn't coveted. We all have. So Paul is saying, if you teach law, you're pointing the finger, but there's those other fingers pointing back at you, as my grandmother used to say. Again, the word love here is agape, wishing the highest good for the other person. Verse 6, from which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk. King James says swerved. The Greek word stokio means to aim at something. A in front of it, the letter A, means no aim. Paul says if you don't aim at it, you'll miss it. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time, that kind of a thing. You have to aim at love. You have to choose love. You have to choose to love God. You have to choose to love other people and be kind. Failure to keep 
looking at that goal, and he'll get off sidetracked into other things. Now, the Pharisees were caught up in that. Remember in Jesus' day? They were the very religious ones. Now, we think of them as hypocrites, which they were, but they were the most careful with the law. They were the ones that counted out the number of salt grains that they used, one for God, nine for me, that whole tithing thing. And everything their life was, was measured, and they lost sight of love. They lost sight of the reason God gave the command because it would bring peace and joy into your life. The result, oppression. They oppressed people and they brought hypocrisy on themselves. I grew up in that kind of a church where I can make you feel guilty in three seconds, but it doesn't help, (laughs) you know? So did you pray enough this week? (laughs) No, no, nobody does. I didn't pray enough this week. You didn't pray enough because you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. I fail to do all the things I should do. That's what sin is. Okay, so these guys are trying to do the rules and regulations. Look at verse 7. Desiring to be teachers of the law. You want to teach the law. Understanding neither what they say or the things which they affirm. Law is external. It's a way of motivating people towards right actions, but it uses the wrong motivation. They teach it because it's simple to understand. You do good things, enough good things that way the bad things, you go to heaven. You do wrong, you don't go to heaven, you go to the other place. No, 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 no. That's not what Scripture says. But it's difficult to grasp if you haven't surrendered your life. In fact, Paul says it's impossible. 1 Corinthians 2.14. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. In fact, they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And when you're dead in your trespasses and sins, of which all of us were, some of us may still be, I was dead. I didn't have a spiritual connection. I didn't understand any of this. They say you have to keep the law to be accepted by God. No, you can't. If that was the way, then we'd all be in trouble because Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If they understood that, they'd stop saying it, but they don't understand it. No one can keep the law. Again, it's impossible for us to keep the law, but we know that the law is good. What? Verse 8. How can it be good if we can't keep it? If it is used lawfully, well, how in the world is it used lawfully? Three examples. We'll hear about those examples in just a moment, but we wanted to pause at this point to welcome those just joining us here on Grow in Grace. And we're glad you're with us. Now to continue in 1 Timothy chapter 1 with three illustrations describing the law's inability. Once again, here's Pastor Ed Ray. A dentist mirror. The law is like a dentist mirror. You know, you go to the dentist, he said open wide, he puts a little round mirror in there with the light and then both hands and puts his foot in and <laughs> asks you how your kids are. <laughs> and he looks for a cavity and a tooth, right? That's what he's looking for. But the mirror reveals it, but you can never repair the cavity with a mirror. That's not what it's for. It's to show the need. Secondly, a flashlight. Lost her power a few weeks back, and I grabbed the flashlight out of the drawer. Of course, the batteries were dead. I found a second one and went out to this fuse panel. We got an old fuse, an old house, and there's some fuses in it too. And I looked with the flashlight. I could see 
the fuses looked good, but maybe that one. But if you try and use the flashlight in the fuse panel, mm, <laughs> not good. It will knock you backwards. So it shows you, it can show you whether it's a problem or not, but it can't fix the problem. Third one, plumb lines. Some carpenters in here, I see a couple of them. And if you're uh, framing a house, you put a, a doorway in, you tilt up the wall, and then you take a string and a weight on it, and you put it up in the top corner to see if it's straight up and down. You can use a level, but a plumb line is really the right way to do it. Now, if it's not straight, the plumb line is useless to you to fix it. You can't fix it. You can't hit it with the plumb line. What you need is a really big hammer, my favorite tool, and you beat it back into square, all right? So the mirror, the flashlight, the plumb line are all things that show the problem, but they can't fix the problem. That's the law. It shows you the problem, but it cannot fix the problem. You see, this city, Ephesus, has the same problems as the Galatians had and as the city of Rome had. We already went through those two letters, if you were with us, and Paul wrote about the inadequacy of the law to save or to sanctify a person. Sanctify means to be set aside all your life until you're ready to go to heaven. You are not justified by the law, and you are not sanctified by the law. Listen to Galatians 3.11. No one is justified by the law in the sight of God. For the just, those who have never sinned according to God, just as if you never sin, the just shall live by faith. Yeah. By belief. By trust that Jesus died for me. He took my punishment on that cross up there, and I live by that. I'm going to live for eternity because I accept his sacrifice on my behalf. Romans had the same problem. Romans 3.20, they believed they could be sanctified by the law. By the works of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For the law is the knowledge of sin. It'll show you that you're a sinner. If you don't know that, study the law. We're going to do it in just a minute. You'll see. Romans 5.19, for as by one man's disobedience, Adam, by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one, by Jesus, by the obedience of one, shall many be made righteous, right standing before God. Abraham believed God, and he was right, declared righteous, reckoned righteous before God. Righteous before God. Perfect before God. Are you perfect? No. The law reveals the problem of sin, but it does not provide a solution. It's that simple. Yet what the law can't do, Jesus has already done. When we surrender and ask him to be our savior, then he does so. He forgives us and he enables us from the inside out. That's a new covenant. Comes inside, writes his law of love on our heart, takes out our heart of stone, puts in our heart of flesh, and causes us to walk in his ways. Changes our desires. Verse 9, knowing this, that the law is not made for the righteous person, the person that has thrown themselves on Jesus, but for the, and now we start a list, for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers, murderers of mothers, and for manslayers. The man who lives the law of blood doesn't need this law from Mount Sinai. The new covenant has the law placed inside us. We know when it's right or not. The law is not a terror, Paul wrote to the Romans, to the righteous man. Righteous, declared righteous by God because of trust. 
So it's that know that you shouldn't be terrorized. When a little light comes on behind you when you're on the freeway and your liver starts quivering and you look up and you look at your speedometer and you're not speeding, and he goes around you. Not that you've never speeded before. (laughs) Not that you weren't speeding three minutes earlier, but you were looking for a way off the freeway and by the grace of God, that's what he's talking about. Lawless and insubordinate, people that have no law. Literally, the unruly, ungodly and for sinners, those who do not worship God. Sinners, those who do not honor God. Unholy, those who fail to serve God. Profane means here scoffers. Scoff at God, I don't need God. Murders of fathers, murders of your parents, your mothers, just manslayers in general, or murders, one translation says, thou shalt not murder. So, but that's not the end of it. So far we're going, hey, I'm okay. I think I'm okay here. Verse 10, we start getting into trouble. For fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and if there's any other thing that's contrary to sound doctrine. Fornicators, pornos. Sound familiar? That's the Greek word. Sexual immorality, where we get pornography. Any sexual activity outside of marriage. Sweeping. Sodomites, the NIV translates this perverts. I have people writing me quite frequently. I'm sure I'll get some letters from this. Arsenokoti is the Greek word. Arseno means man. Koti is bed. This is obviously talking about a homosexual relationship, man in bed with another man. Homosexual offenders, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 translates it. It is in the Bible and it is sin, but the sins keep going. Look, there's a lot more. Kidnappers, I don't think there's any kidnappers in here probably, enslavers, the theft of children in the first century, commonplace. But now we get into trouble, liars. Could I have a show of hands of people that have never lied? Wow, there was, you know, a person last night. There's nobody in this service that's perfect. Me either. (laughs) So we can't just pick one sin here and say, well, yeah, those people are terrible. What about the liars? I think that's all of us. Perjurers, I swear that's the truth. (laughs) Liar, liar, pence on fire. Or any other thing that's contrary to sound doctrine. Now, This is a very similar list to the one that's over in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. But Paul adds something there that's helpful. Listen. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Another translation is, and you were those things. Mm, but here's the good news. But you were washed, and you were sanctified, and you were justified by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You were washed. When was I washed? Well, I was washed. I am washed every time I confess my sins. That if we're faithful to confess, Greek word homo lugeo, homo same lugeo words, say the same thing God says. I sinned, Lord, like you said it's sin, it's sin. If we're faithful to confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteous. Cleanse us is kartherio, where we get our word catharsis, like a washing over of a waterfall or something. But I hope I don't offend anyone, but it's also 
where we get the word catheter. Now, catheters are used in medicine for things besides urinary tract problems, okay? So think about a catheter that's stuck in a wound to drain the poisons out. That if I'm faithful to confess my sins, God is faithful to forgive my sins and to get all the poisons out of my life. You see, it's love. He doesn't want us to carry around those poisons that keep us from sleeping at night and make us feel terrible all the time that are downers. That's a gift of God. That's his love. Last verse, according to the glorious gospel. The what? Glorious gospel. The glorious gospel. Paul said, rather than preaching, teaching the law, we share the, another translation, good news. The glorious good news. You see, the law is bad news. It's very condemning. Guilty, 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 guilty. But the gospel is the good news. Paul uses that word 60 times in his letters. 60 times he said there is good news, and it is glorious. The good news is, and the word comes from, it's a military term. It describes a battle that was won, a message of victory that comes. So it's glorious because it's not a philosophy. It's not even a theology. It's the message of the cross. It's glorious. Glory means weight or to display with great weight. It is glorious because it displays God's character. Glorious because it displays God's perfection, his perfect character, displayed in the person, the work of Jesus Christ. So it's all about the good news versus the law in this section. Now, I love things to do with biology and medicine, so we're going to close with this little illustration. The year was 1847. A young doctor in Edinburgh, Scotland, was experimenting on himself with other doctors around, different kinds of painkillers. Nothing worked, nothing worked, nothing worked. And then finally he took a big hit of chloroform and passed out. And that was the discovery of chloroform. His name was James Simpson. And Simpson is credited with the discovery that one historian said was one of the 10 most important discoveries in modern medicine. It opened the door for surgeries with no pain. Had he taken 10% more, he would have been a dead man. He was just experimenting. He said, well, I don't want to hurt anybody else. I'll do it myself. Now, he was a brilliant young man. 18 years old, he was already a licensed physician. He actually graduated from medical school at 16, but you couldn't be a licensed physician until you were 18. By 28 years old, he was a professor of medicine at the University of Edinburgh. But he was a believer, and he discovered and perfected all kinds of medical devices. Those nurses are here. The Simpson forceps are, are still the correct name for the for forceps that are used in modern-day surgery and, and several other devices and chemicals that he was responsible for. Well, he was knighted for it. He became Sir, Sir James Young Simpson. And shortly after that, he began lecturing all over the world at different medical schools. So he's lecturing, and he finishes his lecture, and he says to the students, are there any questions? And one young man stood up and said, Sir, what do you consider to be the most valuable discovery of your lifetime. And they were you know, expecting to talk about one of the chemicals or the devices that he discovered. But he surprised them. He said, my most valuable discovery was when I discovered myself a sinner and that Jesus Christ was my savior. That, my friends, is the glorious good news. We trust you've made that discovery, but if not, we invite you to do so now. You can be assured Jesus will save you just as he promised. 
You're listening to the weekend edition of Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray and part one of a study in 1 Timothy. Did you miss a portion of the message or was there a part you wanted to hear again? Just go online to thepackinghouse.org for a replay. We archive our programs there for you so you can listen anytime you'd like. That's thepackinghouse.org or listen to us on Apple Podcasts. One more option is to call and ask for a CD copy at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Grow in Grace is made possible through the generosity of our listeners, and we're thankful for each and every gift that comes our way. If you've been blessed by the teaching you've received through this radio program and would like to support what we're doing in this new year, please give us a call at 844-77-GRACE. And as a way of saying thank you, we'll send you Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. This book brings together what Lewis saw as the fundamental truths of Christianity. And in it, he sets out to defend the beliefs that believers through the ages hold in common. And I know you'll be encouraged by what he has to say. So again, you can ask for your copy of Mere Christianity when you give today. Give us a call, 844-77-GRACE. This program is brought to you by the Packinghouse Christian Fellowship and online at packinghouse.org. Zion, now filled with hands And in this place gotta dwell with man Sick be healed and the crippled stand Singing hallelujah My kingdom built with the blood of my son Selfless sacrifice for everyone 